What a joy it is, loved ones, to be back worshiping with you this evening. And uh, just a, I want to add my welcome to JD's a few moments ago. So thankful that you're here making the gathering of the saints a priority. And uh, I want to say a special thank you. Last week we gave the exhortation at the end of our service to really be here on time for our services at five o'clock and why we gather early, why we come prepared, why we don't just rush in mid-service. And I just want to say like walked in here and the place was very, very full and thank you for your faithfulness in responding to that. You could tell by the fervency in this room from the first stroke. Praise the Lord. That's why we come. That's why we gather on time. All praise to his glorious grace. For those of you watching online, so thankful you decided to tune in with us tonight. We'd love to see you here soon. And we pray to the Lord that would happen quickly, that you can come and experience what we have and are right now. Let's open up our Bibles to Acts chapter 12, Acts 12, verses 20 to 25. And if you do not have a copy of God's word with you, put up your hand nice and high because our ushers are coming forward right now and we want to put a Bible in your lap. And if you don't have a Bible at home, then please keep that as a free gift so you can continue to study and abide and store up, as JD exhorted us in a few moments ago, store up God's word in your heart. You will never regret it. Well, loved ones, we made it. We made it. Here we are. The final message in our series in part two of Acts. The final message in part two of our Acts series entitled Strong and Courageous in Witness. Now, what is a witness? If you remember this, write this down because it's going to be a little while before we jump back into part three, Acts 13. So we got to remember this, keep it in front of us. A witness, you'll see it on the screen, is quite simply one who testifies to the truth of Jesus Christ. That word witness in our original manuscripts means one who testifies to the truth of Jesus Christ on their lips, in their life, unafraid, and here's, here's, here's something that rocks us, willing to die so that others may live. It's the whole theme of the book of Acts, witness. And is that not the theme of Jesus' life? Willing to die so that others may live. The most faithful witness. In fact, Revelation calls him the faithful witness. And where does this come from? Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you see it right there outlines the entire book, but you will receive power, Jesus says. He's about to ascend. He's talking to his disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to do what? To have just a comfy life? To keep the message of the gospel to yourself? Why does God give you power? To make things easy for you? No, 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 no. We receive power for one reason, and that reason is right here, and you will be my witnesses. The power given is the power to witness. As we grow in Christ-likeness, that witness increases all the more. The power is given to witness in where? Here's the whole outline. Jerusalem, locally, all Judea and Samaria, regionally, nationally, and then to the end of the earth. So let's recap one more time to make sure we're all clear on how we got here if you're just tuning in today. Part one of our... Acts series, chapters 1 to 7, was the ministry to Jerusalem. 
ministry to Jerusalem. Then chapters 8 to 12, part 2, we finish today, is the ministry to Judea and Samaria. And looking ahead in our next ministry year, chapters 13 to 28, is the ministry to the ends of the earth. Now here in chapter 12, here's what that means for this text and this chapter. Chapter 12 marks a major transition. This is marking a major transition point as the gospel, (laughs) buckle up, we get into chapter 13 to 20, just buckle up, loved ones. The gospel is about to explode internationally. We're going to see churches getting planted. We're going to see riots getting started. We're going to say, like, oh, it's just about to explode to the ends of the earth. And I love how Luke, the writer of the book, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, finishes part two with this text out of all the other stuff he could have said. There's a reason. Because this text, these six verses confront in us a major hindrance and danger in gospel expansion that resides in each of our hearts. It's lurking on a daily basis. And you and I can't escape it. It confronts it head on. And here's the thing. This danger is essential to be dealt with daily if we are to stay faithful on mission. And so this text here, Luke finishes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he finishes with a word of encouragement and a word of warning. A word of encouragement and a word of warning. And here's the question that underlines the whole text. You'll see it on the screen, write it down. Whose glory will be your priority? Whose glory will be your priority? Whose glory is driving your ambition? Ambition is a God-given thing. And we are hardwired for glory. But in our fallen condition, we twist the ambition for God's glory for the ambition of self-glory. We have a problem, and we do it every day. And here it is. Our problem is you and I, if we're honest before the Lord right now, we are glory addicts. Oh, we love glory. Don't we? You say, well, not me. Uh, Just go take that up with the Lord. You'll see. We are glory addicts. We want glory that only God deserves. We want glory that only God deserves. And in wanting God's glory, here's what we're saying. We want to be God. We want his glory. We want to be him. You ever wrestle with a temptation, want to be God over your life? Control? Well, why would you ever get anxious if you didn't want to be God over your circumstances? We do it all the time. The glory for self supplants the glory for God in our lives. And what is the result? Here's a little snapshot. It's too exhaustive. The intro would take 30 minutes. Selfish greed instead of gospel generosity. When the glory is about us. Here's another one. 
quarrels and divisions instead of unity in the church. James goes on to say this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Is it not your selfish passions at war within you? Self-glory. Here's another one. Just let the word of God hit it. Arrogance, defensiveness, a lack of teachability, and a lack of submission to authority instead of humility. When self-glory is your M.O. and mine. Here's another one. Grumbling instead of gratitude. Fear instead of courage. Anxiety instead of peace. And here's one. The abuse of God's church and what he has entrusted to you. Compromise instead of a faithful witness. And ultimately, the opposition of God towards us in our pride. You see how much is at stake? You see why this is a problem, loved ones? Why is this a problem? And it's very clear we need to see today, loved ones, we can't shake this thing off. We don't want to water it down, sugarcoat it. It is a sin and a very big deal to God to try and usurp or steal his glory. I'm going to say it again, just so it hits us a little little bit deeper. It is a sin and a very big deal to God to try and steal or usurp his glory. Here's the big idea of the text. Write this down. Only God deserves the glory, so give it all to him. Big idea of the text. Sounds so simple, eh? Only God deserves the glory, give it all to him. Okay, good, I'm good. Really? Just watch. Only God deserves the glory, so give it all to him. Where are you trying to steal it? Just write that down. Ask the Holy Spirit. He will show you right now. It's what he wants. Where are you trying to steal God's glory? Here in our text today, we're going to see two truths we must believe and live out by faith. If we are to stay faithful on mission, see Jesus build his church, not get in his way, and give him all the glory. You ready to go? Let's stand to honor the authority of God's word. Acts chapter 12, verses 20 to 25. We're going to read our whole text together today. Let's go to it. Acts 12, death of Herod. Let's go, verse 20. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Hear the word of the Lord, all God's people said, amen, amen. 
All right, first thing we see right here, let's get our journals open, pens ready, Bibles open, let's go. Only God deserves the glory because there's only one God. We just need to remember this every single day. Only God deserves the glory because there's only one God. And what you're going to notice about the outline tonight, this is called a string outline. The whole outline is one sentence. That's why you see the dot, dot, dot at the end there. It's not because our grammar's off. It's actually because there's the second half of the sentence continuing in the next point. All right? So you'll be able to write out one whole sentence for this outline. Only God deserves the glory because there's only one God. We're, here's what we're confronted with. God will not compete for his glory. Will you heed his warning and humble yourself? Yeah, we're not starting with any softballs tonight, eh? (laughs) This is why we preach expositionally. You can't skip the hard stuff. If we're going to be faithful ministers of God's word, every text, every word, every word inspired, every word preached. Let's get our context. Verse 20, go back to the text. Here we are. Verse 20 gives it to us. Now, Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. By the way, do you know one of the fruits of being filled with pride is you're angry. Things aren't going your way. People don't treat you how you want. All his anger is a fruit of pride that's going on here. And it can manifest itself in many ways. So here, as with Herod, we see it again. Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. So here we are, Herod. We were introduced to him in Acts chapter 12, verse 1, if you remember from last week. He is the king of Judea, and he's Roman king. He is, Herod is, remember how he's described in verse 1? He is ruthless. Herod is ruthless, and he loves and craves the glory and praise of man. He loves it. So much so that in verses 1 to 19 of chapter 12, he wanted the praise of the Jews. So what did he begin to do? Do you remember? He began to violently persecute the church and had James, who was one of the apostles, one of the main leaders of the church, beheaded by the sword. James is beheaded. And then when he saw the reaction of the Jews to James's death, oh, we love you, Herod. He's like, I want some more of this. He goes and arrests Peter, who's the top dog in the church. He goes and, and arrests him, and he sentences him to death until, as we saw last week, was that awesome? Isn't our God awesome? The angel delivers Peter from prison the night before his execution. And the result in verse 19, if you remember, just go up a couple verses, Herod kills the guards that were guarding Peter and he heads to Caesarea. And this is where we pick it up today. Here's Caesarea, right on the coast. Caesarea was the Roman administrative capital of Judea. Okay, so Herod spent a lot of time there on the coast. And so here... We see right here, verse 20, right from the text, Herod is angry again. Now that word anger isn't like, oh man, I wish you cut off in traffic. I wish you do this. No, 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 no. The Greek word for anger there stresses, Herod is furiously mad. Have you ever been furiously mad? So mad I could just, Herod is furiously mad. At the people, who? At the people of Tyre and Sidon, which is modern-day Lebanon. 
There you see it up there. See, he's in Caesarea. There's Tyre and Sidon on the Phoenician coast, modern day Lebanon. Now we don't know why. Why was Herod so upset? We actually don't know why. But what we do know is that (laughs) the leaders of Tyre and Sidon needed to appease Herod and really, really, really quick. Why? Look at the text. Because their countries depended on Israel for their food supply and ultimately their economies. They got to get this right. So in verse 20, notice what they do. Notice their strategy. Go back to the text. They persuade. Now, the word persuade there means probably with a bribe. They persuade Blastus. Who's Blastus? Well, if you scroll, if you just look at the bottom of the page there, you see a little superscript one. He's talking about Herod's personal attendant. Okay, so he's very trusted by Herod, his personal assistant, and they get an audience. Blastus is like, okay, I'll set up an audience with Herod for you. So they get an audience with him on an appointed day, as you see there, during a festival that Herod was throwing for Emperor Claudius. You say, where does that come from? Well, according to Jewish historians, most prominently Josephus, this is, this is the context of what's happening. There's a festival. So all the leading men of all the cities are going to be there, including Tyre and Sidon. It is a literal who's who, thousands of people. And now watch what happens. Go back to the text, verses 21 to 23. On an appointed day, during that festival, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration, a speech, to them. And the people were shouting, look at this exclamation point there, the voice of a God! They're listening to the voice of a God and not a man! You are not a mere mortal! That is the voice of God. Verse 23, someone else comes to the festival. And immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down. Because he did not give God, the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Herod hits the deck. See, Herod, in this moment, live in the text, he has everything he wants the fleshly desire for glory. He's got it all. Look at, go back to the text, verse 21. He's got the prominent look. You know those royal robes, by the way? Josephus wrote about it this way, that Herod's robe, it was well known, was made of pure silver. The robe that he put on is made of pure silver. Why? So it would flash and radiate the light of the sun and he would appear divine. He had the prominent look No one else had that. Herod had the prominent place. Verse 21, do you see it? He enters the arena to thousands of people and sits on the throne above them all. He's got the prominent look. He's got the prominent place. And then look at 
Keep going, verse 21. He's got the prominent position, the prominent voice. He delivers a speech to all of his, quote-unquote, adoring fans. And they say in verse 22, crying out, the voice of a God and not a man. And they are really just trying to flatter him. They need something from him. They're flattering him to try to get a favor from him. And notice how Herod responds. Herod's heart is revealed. Man, our true heart is always revealed when the praise of man is launched our way. Notice Herod's heart is revealed, his priority, the motivation driving his ambition. He responds to man's praise of him by what? Soaking it in. Can you just picture him on his throne? Just soaking it. There's nothing here about a rebuke. There's nothing here of any humility. It's keep it coming. Where are you doing that? Just keep it coming. Craving that next compliment. Craving that next notoriety. Where, where are you doing it? It's not a matter of if. It's just where. You and me both. Does nothing. Just keep it coming. Man, I'm just dying for another compliment. Where is this going on? Now, that was Herod's first response. That was his instinct. The heart of Herod was revealed. But notice the difference between his response and then if you remember from Acts chapter 10, verse 26, Peter's response to Cornelius. Look at Peter's response to Cornelius. When he goes to Cornelius' house, Cornelius is an entire house. They bow the knee and they start to worship Peter. What's Peter's instinct? The humble heart. He's not sitting there saying, yep, keep it coming. He's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Get up. I am just a man. I too am a man. I am not a God. I'm, notice the contrast. Where do you go in that picture? Which one are you? Which one? Let's, get, let's let the word of God just do some heart surgery right now. And even though men might think it's okay, and we might walk out of this building tonight, and we go into a world that says it is quite okay to usurp God's glory. You be God. It is quite okay to do. Even though this world says man might think it's okay, remember under the authority of God's word, God never does. He will not compete with you and I for his glory. He never does. Now notice verse 23. Seeing Herod's response to the praise of man Notice the text, specific words. Why did the Holy Spirit inspire this? Specific words. It says, immediately. That Greek word means instantly. Boom. You want to prop yourself up? Not going to happen. Instantly. Immediately, in a display of God's holiness, God's justice, God's authority, God's wrath, and God's power, an angel of, and circle the word, the Lord. Do you know what that means? Exclusive. There's only one Lord. There's only one king. And it ain't Herod. And it's not you or I. 
There's only one Lord. An angel of the Lord strikes Herod down. Now the word strike there, it means to literally strike with the sword. That's the picture. It means to strike with the sword. And in this case, give a deadly disease. Bam. He strikes him with the sword, a deadly disease. And what? look at the text. What happens? He's eaten by worms and dies. You think God's jealous for his glory? You want to compete with him? Do I? Lord, help us. Amen? Lord, help us. Now, let's get some clarity. We don't know exactly what eaten by worms means. It could mean instant. But also, as, as Josephus goes on to write, as we see from Jewish history... Um, it could mean death, an agonizing death over five days. Where they carried, Her- carried Herod's body away. And for five days he was in agonizing pain as he was literally being devoured from the inside out. We don't know 100% what is there. But we do know why it happened. Verse 23 You see it right there. Highlight that. Please highlight that and go back to it. He did not give God the glory. That's why it happened. Now, let's get get clear on what we mean by glory. He did not give God. That word means praise. That's doxa in the Greek. It means praise. It means he did not give God the honor. One translation puts it this way. He usurped the honor due to God. The only God. See, God looked at this moment, live in the text. God looked at this moment into Herod's heart and he saw Herod's glory was his priority. I love how one commentator put it this way. He said, the point here is that God himself, listen, listen, loved ones, eyes up. God himself acts against those who usurp his position and claim divine honors for themselves. God himself acts against them. Why? Doesn't that seem kind of harsh? Isaiah 42, 8, you'll see it on the screen. It's not. He says, I am the Lord. Exclusive. Yahweh. Capital L-O-R-D. That is my name. And my glory I give to no other. No matter how good you think you are or me, I don't give it to you. It's not yours to claim. Nor my praise to carved idols. And... Loved ones, um, Luke 14, 11, Jesus puts it this way, the promise for those who walk in pride. Here's what's promised from God's word for you and I in our pride. For everyone who exalts himself, keep it coming. I want the praise. I want the glory. I want the recognition. I deserve. 
I'm going to grumble because it's not my way. I'm going to get defensive. I'm going to be stingy. Listen, everyone who exalts himself, promise, will be humbled. It's not a matter of if it will happen. It's just a matter of when. You will either be humbled through repentance, that's an act of humility, or you will be humbled by the Lord himself in another way. But he will not let it continue. He's patient. Praise the Lord. Amen. Look at Herod. Do you think Herod just did this today? Do you think he just acted like this today? God was graciously patient with Herod. It is not his desire that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he's very kind and patient with us, isn't he? But please do not presume on his patience as an excuse for your sin. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. See, Peter is now exalted around the throne of heaven. Herod is in the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, Herod tried to play God, just like you and I do, and it didn't end well. Your pride will never end well, as will mine. It will never end well. I'm really experienced at that. It never ends well. Why? Because there's only one God and only one who deserves all the glory. The creator will not give his glory to the created. You understand? God will not compete for his glory. Will you heed his warning and humble yourself? Let's be really clear on something, loved ones. God's plan A for you and I is always humility. This is plan A all the time. How many times does he command us, humble yourself, humble yourself, humble yourself? That's his plan A. God's plan B, humiliation. Not to destroy you, but to deliver you from that which is hindering his glory in your life and from you experiencing him in intimacy, joy, love, and freedom that Christ came to purchase for you. Which will you do? What will it take? God will oppose, James 4, 6. He will judge all those who continue on in exalting themselves without repentance. Remember the promise? He will. And they try to be God and receive the glory that only he deserves. And if you're here and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, friend, friend, I'm, I'm so thankful you're here but in love, desiring to be a faithful minister of God's word, I must plead with you. The judgment and wrath of God we see on Herod here is a picture, a physical picture, of the judgment that God will give to all who've rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's coming. And in their pride, those who desire to continue to be Lord over their life and seek the glory that only God deserves. And instead of humbling themselves before him by repenting of your sin and confessing him as Lord and Savior, 
You're exalting yourself. And you're standing against him. And friend, out of love for you, you, without repentance, you will suffer agonizing, eternal torment in the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth where even as Mark 9, 48 goes on to say, where the worms don't die. They just keep devouring you. There is no end. In love. I want to say that as loving as I can to you. Friend, is that you? Students, is that you? It's between you and the Lord right now. He sees the heart. You can't fool him. Is that you? Friend, you need Jesus. Your sin is leading you to hell. In fact, it's Satan's pride that got him cast out of heaven. God won't even, he will not stand for it. And the good news is this, that Jesus came to earth fully God and fully man and lived a perfect life and went to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin, taking the judgment, taking the wrath of God as your substitute. And he died and rose again. And now he offers you tonight, friend, tonight, forgiveness of sin, justification before God, forgiven, declared righteous, and have peace with God and eternal life. Eyes up, eyes up, eyes up. Herod's end does not have to be yours. Because of God's son, Jesus Christ, in your place. But will you repent and confess and believe that he is the Lord and the only Lord and Savior. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Will you believe? Will you humble yourself, heed the warning, and repent? And brothers and sisters in Christ, we're not exempt here. We are not exempt. And yes, once saved, always saved. Yes, absolutely. That is not a free pass to glory addiction for self in your life. God still opposes the proud. James 4, 6. The word oppose in verse 6 of James 4 means God actively draws the battle line against your pride. Wow. Look at that picture. You're walking in pride, battle line's drawn. That force is coming. You will be humbled without repentance. The battle line is drawn. Where do you need, brother or sister, to heed this warning, humble yourself and repent? Where is God's glory not your priority? Where is it? What's driving your ambition for what you're doing right now? What's driving your ambition for what, how you're speaking to your spouse? What's driving the ambition for how you're parenting your kids? What's driving the ambition for why you want the ministry position you want? What's driving the ambition behind your fear of man? Self-glory, self-preservation, that's what. What's driving your ambition, loved ones? Ask the Lord, to, what's driving your ambition towards why you're being defensive and not wanting to submit to authority? What's up with that? What's driving it? Here it is, self-glory. I want my way, 
and I have to push my foot in the door and I have to kick ways down. I'm not going to submit. I'm not going to humble myself. Self-glory. God's drawing the battle line right there every time. Just keep that picture in your head. It's so humbling for me. I came home from my pre-service prayer walk before we left the house to come here tonight. Natalie looked at me and she goes, what happened to you? Just the countenance was just like, oh my gosh. Lord, help me. Help me. What's driving your ambition for why you're grumbling and complaining? You know what it is? Self-glory. What's driving your ambition for your self-pity? Self-glory. I want it my way. What's driving your ambition for stinginess? Self-glory. I want to get mine. Forget gospel generosity. Happens all the time. None of us can escape it. Hey, students, they have two sons on a, on a hockey team. What's driving your ambition for why you want to score the goals you want to score? What's driving your ambition for why you want to save the goals that you want to save? What's driving your ambition to want to get the grades in school you want to get? Getting good grades is a good thing. It's good to work hard. Do it with excellence, to the glory of God, whatever your hand finds to do. What's the ambition behind yours, though? That's what God wants. Whose glory is your priority? So you can get your name in lights, so you can get the recognition, the respect, or so that they see the hand of the Lord and his glory on you. Just let the word of God sit. Hey, loved one, here's some freeing news for us tonight. You and I aren't God. Wow. He has freed you. If you're saved, he's freed you in Jesus Christ so you don't have to try to be God anymore because you have a good father that loves you and will only work out of his greatest love and goodness and sovereignty towards you. Stop trying to be. And I want to encourage you, as the word's going to work, there's no condemnation on the other side of repentance. There's only comfort. Will you repent? Only God deserves the glory because there's only one God. And here's the last part. There's only one God, and he will establish his kingdom. Only God deserves the glory because there's only one God, and because he will establish his kingdom. Go to verses 24 and 25. Persecution removed. Look what happens. Here's the encouragement. That's the warning. Here's the encouragement. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Verse 25, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. See, notice as the Lord defeats the opposition to the church, he empowered the continued building of the church. And as he empowers the believers to declare the gospel and demonstrate the gospel with their lives by the power of the Holy Spirit in them, notice verse 24, go back to the text. The word of God increased and the number of people coming to faith in Jesus multiplied Multiplied. Circle that word multiplied. Greek word there means it increased and extended to max capacity. That's amazing. It extended at max capacity. Now notice this. We see God's power through his church. We see the power as they proclaim the gospel, not in their winsomeness, but in the spirit of God working through them. But then notice what else God's doing in his sovereignty. Verse 25, did you catch it? God in his sovereignty is positioning his church. 
through his power, he's positioning his church, the believers, for the expansion that was about to happen. Look at verse 25. After Saul and Barnabas delivered the famine relief to the Jerusalem church from the Antioch church, remember they got sent out in Acts 11.30? They returned back to Antioch and they brought Mark with them. Who would send, <laughs> that's amazing, who God would send with them on their first missionary journey, which would launch from Antioch and head overseas. See, God's positioning his church in his sovereignty. You're gonna bring this? Okay, I'm gonna put you here. Boom, boom, boom. He's positioning global missions. That's amazing. Be encouraged, loved one. Jesus will overcome all opposition and build his church. And as such, we can live on mission with humility, boldness, courage, faith, and obedience in knowing that he who is in us is greater than he who's in the world. Amen? He who is in us is greater than he who's in the world. The gospel is unstoppable. And to see him continue to establish his kingdom through us as God intends. God help. I pray he never has to raise up another person to do what he desires to do through us right now. Because we weren't faithful. But, but, but notice this. To see this happen in and through us as God intends to stay faithful on mission, here's our prayer. Each day, each moment must be this. Here it is, the pride-punching prayer. You ready? 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 Get your pens ready. Here we go. Father, hallowed be your name. You know what that word hallowed means? Glorify your name. That's a pride-punching prayer. Father, glorify your name before I head out on the ice today. Father, glorify your name before I speak to my spouse in this moment. Father, glorify your name in my parenting today. Father, glorify your name in the finances today. Father, glorify your name in my relationships today. Father, glorify your I'm not going to move an inch until that's prayed. Because my default is, Ray, glorify your name. I'm not moving an inch. Father, glorify your name. Here it is. Keep going. You know it. Say it. Your kingdom Come, you know, your kingdom come, my kingdom go. Oh, come on. Pride punching prayer. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, my kingdom go. Are you humble enough to pray that and mean it? That's the prayer that God blesses. Your kingdom come, and here it is, your will be done. Not my will, not my way, not my time, not how I want, not for my comfort, not in this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. No wonder Jesus modeled it that way. He knew we were glory addicts. Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Listen, listen. It's all from Jesus, not us. It's all by Jesus, not us. And it's all to Jesus and not us. But here's the question. Will you, right there, right there, where he has you, will you give him the glory? One more time. Only God deserves the glory. So give it all to him. There's only one God, and he will establish his kingdom. Amen? Before we come for the closer, Veronica, I'm going to ask you to come up and just play a little bit in the background. We just need to stop and have a faithful response right now. 
Where is your glory driving your ambition? Where are you competing with God for the glory that only he deserves? And we're just going to get quiet and get low right now before him. And I encourage you right now to say, search me, O God, and just know my heart. Where is God needing to draw the battle line against your pride? It's time to repent. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Where is that? Is the Lord's been going to work? Maybe for some of you in this moment right now, this could be a life-changing moment for you in Jesus Christ through salvation by declaring him Lord and Savior over your life. This moment right here. He says, today when you hear my voice, do not harden your heart and today will be the day of salvation. That was Herod's end in eternal torment. It doesn't have to be yours. But will you humble yourself and say, Lord Jesus, I believe that I am a sinner. I am not God. You are God. And you are the only Savior. And I need you as my Lord and my Savior. Will you pray? Will you get low before the Lord and humble yourself right now in this moment? That could happen right now for you. There is hope. There is comfort. There is peace of, with God. There is joy in God. There is hope in God. There is life, the abundant life in God that he's offering you today. Will you forsake him? Or will you humble yourself right now in this moment? And brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, where is this for you? Where are you forsaking the hope in Jesus Christ? Because you're putting your hope in yourself, in your arrogance and pride. Where is the fear of man so crippling because in your pride and desire for self-glory, you just want to self-preserve? Where is it? Where is the lack of gospel generosity in your life because your pride is in your possessions and your finances? And how much is enough? Just a little bit more. Where is it, loved ones? It's time to get right with your king. He sees it. Come to him. He loves you. Don't hold back. This could be a changing moment in your life. By the power and grace of God, let's get real. Where is it? Where is it? Will you humble yourself, loved ones? Heads bowed. Just tears of joy and repentance and brokenness. And he says, child, I love you. You confess it. Come to me. I died for that sin. I love you. I will establish you. I will exalt you in my time and in my way. But you got to get low. The way up in the kingdom is down, always. It is down. Where is it in your marriage? You need to repent. The self-glory in your parenting, where is it? In your witness, where is it? In why you're serving in the church, where is it? rumbling, the gossip, the complaining. Where? Lord Jesus, see and forgive. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And there is none like you. Hallowed be your name, Father. Your kingdom come and your will be done. In that situation, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, give us right now this day our daily bread because we can't do this without you. Jesus, we need you. We can't do it without you. Help us. Spirit of God, fill us, lead us, guide us, empower us, and be glorifying the Savior through us. 
in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Loved ones, let's stand and respond to this great hope that we have in Christ.